Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's Thursday, so Dan McLaughlin is here. It's 7:01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed. Rolex jeweler, Michelle Smallman, good morning. Good morning, Randy Carricker. Danny Mack, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Everything's awesome. Awesome. Billikens won last night. Tigers lost. But they'll be back. They'll be fine. They'll be good in the NCAA tournament. Oh, yeah. Well, I I saw Joe Lenardi, uh, the resident expert at ESPN.com. He has got, uh, at least 48 hours ago, he had slew in the first four out. First four out. Now, Mizzou is in. They're going to get a pretty good seed, regardless of what happens down the stretch here. But um, SLU is on the first four out, so we'll see. And they've only played 11 games? or no, That might have been 12 last night. I think 12 night. last night, yeah. So 9-3 and three on the season. So they need to do some real damage in the A-10 here after missing 10 of their 20, first 21 scheduled games. Watched the game last night. I thought the second half they looked different. Maybe towards the tail end of the first. They, they finally got their legs under them, and it looked like the SLU team we saw at the beginning of the season defensively looked really good. Jordan Goodwin looked like Jordan Goodwin. Javante Perkins picked it up down the stretch. So he's really a key, I think, for the the Bills here in the the last uh, couple of weeks of this regular season. And I'm repping the Billikens this morning. I've got a couple of Billikens at home. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm a Linda Wood grad, a proud Lion. We're going to talk to Greg Amzinger, by the way, at the bottom of the hour. But uh, so I, I've got my uh, Billikens hoodie going. I don't see any I L L I N I. Well, the for... game was postponed versus oh, well, Michigan, Michigan versus yeah. versus number three Michigan. Alina back in action tomorrow versus Nebraska. How about how good the Big Ten is this year? Pretty Yikes. good, Ooh, no I, doubt. I brought a Billiken coffee. See, so. you're repping as well. Right. Okay. Like that. If they lost, I would have had it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way I world. You would have had to turn it around. <laughs> the Blues, in addition to the Billikens, the Blues are playing a crazy schedule right now. They'll be back in action tomorrow night at Arizona. They're going to wind up playing seven games in a row against the Coyotes. That's an NHL record, as you might expect, for consecutive games between two teams during the regular season. Our next segment is called Sick of It, and I think we're all sick of seeing the Blues <laughs> play the Coyotes. I'm sure they're sick of seeing one another at this point, too. The Blues power play, the special teams, I'm shocked. The way it is played this year. The Blues power play five goals in 44 setups, so their success rate is 28th among the 31 teams. The penalty kill has been burned for 17 goals in 56 power play opportunities. That's a rate of about 70%. That's 29th. So your special teams have got to get better. It doesn't matter if you're playing the Coyotes or playing whomever. You just got to get better. That's all there is to it. And the number you want to hit, Coach Hitchcock always, Coach Hitchcock always, kind of like Dick Vermeil, would coach us up and tell us little things about winning. 
And what you want to do is have the percentages between your penalty kill and your power play equal at least 110. Mm-hmm. That's elite. That's And the Blues are something like 75% right now, 78% combined. They've got a long way to go before they reach really good playoff contender status. I was thinking about this, guys. I don't know about you, and I'm always talking baseball, but thinking how the Blues are getting through this somewhat shut down of other teams with Minnesota and Colorado. If Major League Baseball has a 162-game season and really no breaks in between these games and you're not playing within your division, remember this is set up to play all these games to where if you had these types of issues, you just keep playing the team and you're not going outside your division and conference and that kind of thing. I, I don't know how Major League Baseball, if they have a shutdown of teams in a 162-game season, are going to try to get through this. It's going to be very tough. I don't know. It's what we're seeing in hockey. I'm wondering yeah. if these some of these teams are going to get all their games in. It doesn't seem likely. That's what I would think would happen with baseball, I guess, is that you'd have to look at it, and if you have to make up some of the games, you would if it meant seeding for postseason or winning a division or whatever, but trying to get through 162. I, I guess what you're banking on is that players is, at, at some point in the summer are going to get vaccinated, right? and that's why you were trying to buy time to push this thing back um, a month, not only for fans in the stands, but you're you know essentially trying to get your players vaccinated too, but if you don't and you have a Miami Marlins situation or a Cardinal situation, as the schedule is currently constructed, I'm just not sure how that would work. It does not break my heart, Michelle and Dan, that the Cardinals aren't going to see the Royals as much yeah. in 2021. Last night, they acquired the St. Louis and Andrew Benintendi. Andrew, we love you. We're glad that you're going to be playing closer to home. He listens every morning to uh, Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Benintendi from the Red Sox to the Royals. And Boston is also kicking in $2.8 million. It's a three-team deal. Franchi Cordero goes to Boston, the uh, young outfielder whom they had acquired from San Diego. And a couple of minor leaguers switch hands as well. A couple of players to be named later. But Benintendi, the big name in the trade, the last guy, guys, to have a 2020 season in Major League Baseball. 20 homers, 20 uh, stolen bases. He can run, he can hit, he can hit for power. He's a really nice pickup for the Royals. He's a guy that I think a lot of Cardinals fans would have been Mm -hmm. interested in and like to see here. But interesting move for the Royals. I think the Red Sox, too, you can look down the road and and look at the Red Sox and think they're going to be really good in a couple years. I think the team that's going to be really good, maybe... Faster than they thought, the Kansas City Royals. Yeah, I, I like what they're doing, and by all accounts, too, from what I've heard, is that people are just thrilled with the ownership group and how he's handled uh, the pandemic with his uh, employees, the players, the front office. It, it's just like he's done everything right, and and that's something too. When you think about fans, that you, you want to sell your product to the fans. That's number one, and winning will do that. But they also have a great farm system in terms of some really good players coming up. A a very good shortstop. And I thought we saw very good pitching at the end of last season by the Royals. Just needs to get some seasoning with it. They could be very, very good here. I I would think maybe surprising this year, but certainly next year. Pretty interesting. They loved Adalberto Mondesi, Raul Mondesi Jr. a few years ago. He's their shortstop. Now, Bobby Witt Jr., former major leaguer, former Cardinal. Uh, His son is their top prospect shortstop that you're talking about stud. I mean, people are saying this guy is really, really good. So we'll see. But uh, making some moves like with Santana this offseason. Bringing Mike Miner back. Yeah, those kind of things are going to help them out. The Blues, as we mentioned, back in action tomorrow. And they're going to play 
Arizona for the fifth time. It's right. Is that number five? Game number five? Yeah, of a seven gamer. Five of seven. Yeah. Yesterday, Craig Ruby was it's asked nuts. if he's tired of <laughs> playing against Arizona. Well, I'm getting tired of losing to him. <laughs> That's reasonable. Fair. So are we. We're tired of watching it. Yeah. It's not good for the league, though. This is not good. No. No, I it's mean, not. seriously, it's, it's just, I as a, I think, too, fans are like, oh, really? Fatigue. Yeah. These guys again? Are you guys kind of shocked that of all of the issues that hockey has endured with COVID, so many teams affected, that the Blues aren't one of them? You see all the problems that the Cardinals had, you see all the problems that the Billikens had, and you think... Man, how have the Blues avoided this so far? I have. I hate saying it. Yeah. You go, is it a matter of time? It just... For, from an outbreak perspective, yeah. you mean? Yeah. But they haven't been unscathed. Look at what's happening with their schedule being disrupted. They they certainly have been affected by it, yeah. if not directly with sickness. And maybe all their guys had it before the season. Maybe yeah. they've got antibodies. Maybe. Well, we knew that prior to the bubble, there was yeah. some Blues players who had tested positive. Sure. So. Hey, here's what we want to hear from you today. With Yadier Molina being back, how much time does Andrew Kisner get? And in Yadi's specific situation, we always talk about how incredibly competitive he is. And we saw one of the great Cardinal competitors in Chris Carpenter. He joined the fast lane yesterday and talked about what Yadi will have to endure sooner rather than later in trying to fill that competitive void when you quit playing professional sports. I'm not doing a whole lot, to be honest. Oh, no. I work out pretty much every day, but... The truth is, Brad, is like, and you probably know this too, you can't replace the level of competitiveness that, uh, or the competition when you walk onto a Major League Baseball field, no matter what you do. You can go and hit as many golf balls as you want at the range and try to become Tiger Woods. You can go try to be Michael Jordan in the men's league basketball or go play summer baseball somewhere in the softball beer league. The competition is just not there. So if you go looking for it, um, it's, it will never get to the level of walking out in front of 40,000 people at Bush Stadium and the excitement and, and the the uh, everything going on, the energy that's going around, on around the game. Um, so to be honest with you, I, I, I'm not looking for it um, because you'll never replace it. So I just keep looking back on the times and the memories that I had uh, being able and being fortunate to, to play the game that I loved for as long as I did. Um, and now I just try to, instead of go out and compete, uh, I just know that I'm going to shoot 85 to 89 every single time I go out there. I'm going to hit some balls in the water. I'm going to chunk some, blade some, but I'll hit some good shots too. And I'm not trying to be Tiger Woods anymore. Man, did he sum up what so many athletes go through? And I, I've talked to a lot of athletes. I'm sure you guys have as well, whether it's baseball or hockey. I'm thinking of one in particular here in hockey. I've talked to some football players. I, I'm just not sure that the Players Association of all these professional sports you can't blame them, but do they set these guys up for the fall? Meaning, I don't care how much money you made, are you set up to live beyond baseball? Because they're young men with a long, long life ahead. Mm-hmm. And so you've made all the money, and I, I get that, but then all of a sudden it stops, and it stops on a dime. The adulation, the money, all of it, the fame, and it's over, and it's like, oh my God, what's next? What, what do I do? And I think that's what Chris Carpenter there is talking about. Also, professional athletes are constantly building towards one goal, which is to win. And it's this very strict life that you live from a workout perspective, what you eat, the practice. You are in this really rigid routine for your entire life. And then all of a sudden that's gone and you're not building towards anything anymore. And I think that's got to be hard, too. And trying to figure out like what 
Where, where, what's my motivation? What, what am I looking for? What am I trying to get to that next goal of? And all of a sudden, it's not there like he's talking about going to the beer league and playing. I mean, that's it's nothing for these guys, you no. know? And that's why Yachty wants to play every single day because he has that competitive gene, which is probably a little more powerful in his DNA than everybody else's. It is, and... Now that you know he signed to a one-year deal and he knows that the end is coming, he knows that around the corner is exactly what Chris Carpenter described. I can't imagine him wanting to play less this season, but I also know the Cardinals at some point need to find out what they have coming up after him. So it's a very delicate line they're going to have to balance this season. I, I can't tell you how many times I've said the Cardinals need to find out what's coming up after Yachty and then Carson Kelly got shipped and then it was Andrew <laughs> Kisner and then it was, the, you know, right. we've been saying this a long time. All the way back to Brian Anderson, I think. Yeah, I, there's been a lot of guys waiting to play that uh, catcher spot. Um, I, I guess you look at, though, the numbers, and he's going to be close to 40 if he plays another year. He he wants to play after. Like, everybody's saying, well, this is final year, and the first thing I said was, no, this is just another year, and he's going to play one more. I mean, I honestly looked at it that way. And maybe another one. Who knows? But health will dictate that. Um, I, I don't know how much Kisner plays this year. You know, that's a that's a great question about how much will he play. And my guess would be that if you asked privately John Mosellock how much he'd like to see Kisner and Mike Schilt how much he'd like to see Kisner, because Schilt is on there down there on the field. He's not thinking about the future. He's thinking about winning today. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking you'd probably get pretty different answers from Mo and Schilt about how much they would like to see the kid play. Well, I, I would also say this. If Yachty, let's say, plays for two years and they think Herrera is the guy coming, he's the next, he's going to be the heir apparent, do you really need to have then Kisner playing a lot for development? Or is he more just a backup and then once Herrera gets here, he continues to be a backup or he's somebody that you move in a, in a package for his career to, to let him go play somewhere else and, and package him? I mean, that's... That's how this stuff works sometimes. Yeah. It happened to Carson Kelly. And, yeah. and I think with Kisner, you have to build his value because Kelly at one time had been a top 20 prospect yeah. overall, right? That's correct. Kisner's never reached that point where he was at, at that level so that you another team would look at him and say, wow, uh, I've got a real good prospect here. Kisner has to be a better catcher to become a better prospect. I thought in the summer camp, he looked really good defensively, and then he just didn't play. No. And you know, they had Matt Weeders out there hobbling around, uh, around on one leg, and, and Kisner's there, and they didn't play him. Don't so forget, maybe they yeah. maybe they just didn't think he was ready. The, I don't know. The Cardinals have 37 players on their roster, and Matt Weeders is still out there heading into spring training. Just saying. Um, I don't think he's coming back. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. <laughs> but I could up, be wrong. Coming up next, it's our Thursday morning staple. Sick of it. What are you sick of? Get your text into the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. We'll explain a little further and bring it to you next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, one of our guys, Bradley Beal, and the, the Wizards lost a basketball game in the NBA in which he had scored 47 points. And Michelle, his bride, took to social media 
And she was not very happy with that loss, with him scoring a bunch and the team still not winning. Because this is a pattern. This is a pattern. This wasn't just an isolated incident. Our guy Bradley Beal is putting up a lot of points and a lot of losses. And so she went to social media. I don't remember what she said. What did she write on social media? Sick of it. Sick of it. Sick of it. So so we decided, you know what? We're going to vent our sick of it. And we want you to as well. 65780. That's the Air Comfort Service text line. We'd love to hear what you are sick of this morning. Uh, Dan, Michelle... I am sick of professional athletes signing contracts for lots and lots of money and then saying, I'm not happy, I want out. Come on, if you're going to sign a deal and you're, there's a chance that you're going to be unhappy, sign a one-year deal and bet on yourself to be great. But if you're going to, especially in a salary cap-driven league, whichever one you have, if you are going to sign a long-term contract and then say, no, I, I'm not going to live up to this contract, I'm sick of that. Sick of it. Now, um... Randall, yeah. Uh, St. Louis Cardinals just acquired a <laughs> very thinking. good player with a long-term contract. Yes, now, yes. again, we're not in a salary cap league. It's a luxury tax. Um, I I don't know if I'm as sick of it as you are at I'm this point. I'm not sick of it at all. I, don't, I, 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 I am sick yeah. of his premise. I, I understand what he's saying here, but... Um, I really like Nolan Arenado. Me too. St. Louis is the benefactor of one of those unhappy athletes with a long-term contract. But yeah, I can actually, uh, I, I can rationalize his move. Because, of course we can. Okay. Because the Rockies were getting rid of him. The, the Rockies could not afford that contract. They, they just couldn't. That's I, why they I would agree with that. $50 million along. They were worried he was going to opt in. Yeah. The Houston Texans can afford Deshaun Watson. They signed him, and granted, they're... Their organization is a train wreck, but they signed him a goodwill. Russell Wilson signed to, to be the highest paid player in the league at the time he signed. Hey, you know what? Don't go tell people that you don't like the way things are happening and you want to control everything in the organization. Just play, play. You know, for all of the stuff about Aaron Rodgers, he he's sure he's given some little hints. Here and there. Little? But did, did he <laughs> did he whine when they took Jordan Love? No, he came back and played. Uh, yeah, but he whined a lot. Yeah, he did make yeah, some comments about, uh, you know, what that he say? wasn't pleased. Here, let me find a direct quote. I don't have my, my book of Rodgers in front of me. But he, oh, you didn't bring it today? No, I didn't. He was not happy that they did that. He, he wanted them to go out and draft either playmakers or somebody to protect them even more. But then he didn't come out and say, I want more control over personnel. That's true. I don't think he did that. He said, so you got me on that one, Randall. Here's the the quote after Love was acquired. I'm a, I'm excited to work with him. He seems like a good kid. General reaction at first was surprised, like many people. Not going to say I was thrilled by the pick, um, but he said Love is not to blame at all. And I think that's quite a leap from what he's saying to Russell Wilson saying, I'm getting hit too much. I want more control over personnel. I have, uh, can I jump in on this? Yes, all because right. I want to know what you're sick of. It's right in line with the 314. Sick of MLB and the Players Association bickering back and forth. Get a deal done. I'm sick of it. Oh, yeah. Um, I think you speak on behalf of every baseball fan uh, more so than ever. We should be at this point, as, and I'm repeating exactly basically what I said in the summer. Yeah, we're in a pandemic. Uh, people want sports. You know, I applaud the players for going out there and playing through this and trying to make it happen, happen and the testing and all the different things to make a season happen. And I think we reflect on it now. It's amazing they got through 60 games through not doing a bubble. It's crazy. It is. Um, and I, I just, 
You can't have a shutdown of the sport. You cannot have it. And I worry about this time next year, what are we talking about? And it just turns people off. Even if they wait and wait and wait and finally get a deal done, there are going to be some fans that are just turned off. They're sick of hearing about it. You know, you're talking about a lot of people making a ton of money. It's the golden goose. Don't kill it. Right. Figure it out. It's that simple. And it seems like it's constant. And I understand why both sides would have ill will towards one another. But what they don't understand is that they're getting in their own way. Yes. They're both they're both getting in their own way. Making so much money. Yep. Yes, Everybody's making crazy. money. And guys, so I, figure I, it out. I try to defend Rob Manfred. I can't. He, he's not good at his job as commissioner. Well, I, and on the flip side, you, you got to look at what the Players Association agreed to last time, and they got taken to the woodshed, mm-hmm. and, they they're, and they're not happy about it. Okay, go negotiate quietly and figure it out. Yep. It, it, it's just, you know, instead of the... I thought it was terrible how baseball handled it this summer where you had these leaks through the media and it was going this way and that way bad. and this way and that way. Really bad. And Players waiting, commenting all the time. And we're waiting for sports to come back. We're dying for sports to come back. And you have these leaks coming out and people are like, are you serious? I'm worried about putting food on the table and these guys are bitching about this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Absolutely awful. Cubs ownership saying they're dealing with biblical losses yeah. from a financial standpoint. And while that may be true, you're right. At that time, the American public did not no. want to hear about <laughs> no. the Cubs crying about yeah. their money. No. Okay, guys, uh, this morning I'm doing my reading. I'm going through things that are happening in baseball. Walker Bueller and the Dodgers agreed to a two-year $8 million contract to avoid arbitration. I'm sick of the Dodgers. I am <laughs> so sick of the Dodgers. I'm sick of them constantly acquiring superstars. I'm, I'm just sick of hearing about how good they are all the time. The Cardinals go out and get no and Arenado, and we start to feel pretty good about the club here in St. Louis. And then any person we talk to outside St. Louis is like, oh, well, they're not going to yeah. beat the Dodgers. There's no way they're going to beat the Dodgers. You know how, like I'm last week or two weeks ago, we talked about how we were sick of the cold weather and it wasn't going anywhere? Yeah. The Dodgers aren't going anywhere. No, the not. Dodgers are cold weather. They are cold weather. And aren't you sick of it? Yeah. I am so sick of it. I mean, to your point, Michelle, Walker Bueller would be a number one on a lot of teams. I mean, <laughs> he's really good, and he might be there at least least on paper, number four. I mean, seriously. That's nuts. And by the way, your number three starter, because I I could put David Price number two. I could put Bueller four, and I could... Their number three starter, or if you want to make him a number four, is going to make $40 million this year. And they won the World Series with him opting out last year. (laughs) It's unbelievable. Yeah. So Trevor Bauer is going to make 40 this year, 45 next year, and then whatever he makes in year uh, three of that deal. It's incredible. That's pretty amazing. Sick of it. I'm sick of it, too. Good one. Thank All right. You. Some text 65780. Emily, what do we have? From the 314, I'm sick of winter. Every winter. Started looking for a job in Florida last night. Yeah, you might want to just, you might want to accept winter over Florida. I was going to say, Florida's got its own <laughs> issues, all right? <laughs> okay, so in, like, Major League Baseball, Mo said that uh, January would be the new December, right? Yeah. yeah. I think the weather is the new January here in February. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. This is like January weather. Big time. And it's gross. Stinks. Yeah. Hate it. From the 314, I'm sick of seeing blue sweaters in the penalty box. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. Aren't we all? Yeah. Got to get better on special teams. Have to. Right. You know what, Dan? They need to make adjustments. It's <laughs> Get in the film room. Well, and it's they need to avoid the lazy hooking and slashing penalties, too. That's the, the, to... One of the things they can do to improve special teams, not allow as many shorthanded goals, is not be shorthanded as much. That's a very valid point, Randy, and one that uh, makes all the sense in the world. Thank you, Daniel. Yep.
from the 314, I'm sick of virtual snow days. Yeah. Oh. How can you have a virtual snow day where the kids just don't have to sign on to Zoom that day? Yeah, my Did kids had one. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Remember I told you but we were, when Michelle was out, we were talking about uh, the unfortunately kids don't have yeah. true snow. One, one of my kids had a true snow day the other day. I think it was just to give everybody at the school a break, and I, I agree with it. And then uh, the other ones had virtual. Not good. Yeah, they were upset about that. So we just were like, yeah, you're go ahead, just sneak out, do whatever you're doing. We didn't care. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. Thank you. Coming up next, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Our buddy Greg Amzinger, a native of St. Louis and the Lindenwood University, and of course, the lead anchor at MLB Network. Greg joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Michelle Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on Carricker and Smallman with Danny Mack on a Thursday morning on 101 ESPN. We're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. We're going to head up to the Northeast where apparently at the MLB studios in Secaucus, New Jersey, Greg Amzinger is standing by. Greg is usually not up at 834. Well, I shouldn't say he's not up. He's usually not at the studio at 834. So i got to find out this morning what is going on. Yeah, my studio normally to do your show is my bed. That's, that's <laughs> usually where I come from. Um, I, yeah, this is way too early for Greggy's hair to be done. But I, I'm I'm taping uh, the top 100 players right now with Ron Darley and Sean Casey today. So uh, I believe one of the installments is on the air at the moment. But we're taping players uh, 60 through 41 today. So it'll be fun. Uh, I will let you know that. Um, Liam Hendricks is in that uh, group. I will be interviewing him today, and Mike Yastrzemski is in that group. So I'm giving you information I should not be giving anyone, but I'm divulging it. Greg, i got to know this. As you count down and you go through 50 to 60, 40 to 50, uh, do we not see Nolan Arenado maybe until 10 to 20? I'm going to guess he slides out of the top 10, and it bums me out. Uh, there are a lot of guys that are creatures of habit. We all know this more, more than it's more like pitchers that are that way, but no one are not of the 60 game season just didn't flow with him. And there was a lot of stop and go and odd um, circumstances. I think it affected him. It's going to probably drop him. Not as far as someone like Jose Altuve, who had a three year stretch from 2017 to 2019, where he was one of the top six players on our list. Uh, he's going to be outside the top 50. So there, there are guys sliding um, pretty dramatically. J.D. Martinez fell 71 spots uh, from last year's list. But, um, yeah, it, all it does is beautiful. I host the show, and I remind everyone that our incredible uh, research department that is filled with talented, brilliant men and women, they come up with this list, and um, they debate it for a while. But no matter how many times I remind the audience that, when I show up to interview players at spring training – the players think I came up with the list. So they're all <laughs> aggravated with me. So the timing of the show is just perfect. Greg, every week we would have you on and we would give our predictions on what would happen with Yadier Molina. He's officially back with the Cardinals on a one-year deal. I know for a while there you were getting information that led you to believe that he would sign elsewhere. But what was your reaction when you heard that it was official Yadier was returning to the Cardinals? Well, it's a perfect fit. I'm glad it's going to end this way. And I think this is going to be a swan song for him. Now, who knows? Yachty has been in great shape for the last four or five years. He's aging well. He might hit 305 and with 15 homers and go, I got gas in the tank. I want to do it again. And who knows? But I think just from the way this all looks, 
that this will be the end of the line for Wainwright and Molina no matter what. And I hope that is announced. I hope we can all celebrate them towards the end of this run. And you don't want the game to tell you it's over. You still want to compete at a high level. And thankfully, both of these guys have done that. Uh, I, I just did not believe. The, the wrench that I thought was going to mess this whole winter up in terms of the catching position was JT Real Muto. I really thought the Philadelphia Phillies were going to save that money and go all in and signed, uh, you know, Colome, uh, Rosenthal, Kirby Yates. I thought that was what they were going to do. It was the worst bullpen I've ever seen in my 12 years of working at MLB Network was what the Philadelphia Phillies had in 2020. Uh, to invest as much money as they did in Rio Muto, I was a bit surprised by that. Uh, with such a glaring weakness. They're still tinkering with the bullpen, but I, I thought Real Muto was going to mess up the whole musical chairs of the catching position this year. And I also knew that Joe Girardi has always admired Yadier Molina and, and would have been a, an, a, an impeccably great plan B. You know, you're talking about your top 100. I, I got to be um, honest and curious about this. Do, when your researchers are doing this, how much do they take into account that, you know, if you're looking at Javi Baez and you say, well, he's dropping really far out of our shortstops and he's out of our top 100, but yet if you went to an executive and you said, hey, could I have Javi Baez this year? They go, uh, where do I sign up? You know what I mean? It's it's the 60 games is just, there's so many oddities to it. I, I wonder how much they take into account how weird the season was and then start looking back at 2019 and those kind of things. Uh, it's, a, it's a great question. Javi Baez did slide. He's still in the top 100, Dan, but... The thing that bit him was his honesty. He came out and told Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic that not having the video, the video technology, yeah. it, 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 he's been lost without it. If I'm a front office executive, I need to know that that binky, which he's never getting back, is something he can survive without. So his strikeout rate went way up. Chase rate didn't walk. Uh, if the video impacts him that much, you start looking around, Chris Bryant struggled immensely. Is he also attached to the same sort of, of routine that Javi Baez had? Uh, there are a lot of guys that just can't figure it out now. Um, and we do take all that into account. The thing that bothers me, there are a couple things that bother me. Devin Williams is skyrocketing up our top 100. And, and the kid was electric, totally get it. A .33 ERA, pitched in 22 games. Randy Rosarena, if you count all of the postseason games, played 43 total games. He's at number 100. The dude was Babe Ruth. The Dodgers didn't want to pitch to him. Okay, he barely cracks the top 100. But we love Devin Williams. He he could crack the top 50. I can't give that away, but that's how much our list loves him. And the other thing that bothers me, I think there needs to be a new rule. If you don't hit 200, the next year you're automatically disqualified from the top 100 right now. We have three guys on this list that did not hit 200 last year. I know it's a short season. Totally understand that. But you can't claim on a list where half of the list is pitchers, right? That you're one of the top 50 position players in baseball. If you're fresh off a year where you did not hit 200 and all this talk of batting average doesn't matter. I'm sorry. Look at any great world championship team. You don't see someone, one of their marquee players, isn't hitting under 200 when they win the World Series. It's just not the case. So 
I'm going to go off on that a little bit. A couple guys tonight and this show uh, are in our top 60 who did not hit 200 last year, which I, I find frustrating. Hey, Greg, before we let you go and let you start taping, uh, John Mosellock said after the Yachty signing that the Cardinals are done. They might sign a couple of guys to a non-roster invitee status for spring training. So what you see is what you're going to get with the Cardinals. The Pocota projections yesterday have them finishing eight or nine behind the Brewers. What do you think heading into spring training of this Cardinal roster less than a week away from the start of it? I think they're the heavy favorite to win the division. Um, the Pocota rankings are always so silly to me. I've never bought into them. They're, they're, they're so awful and wrong. And No offense to everybody. Poor Bill Pocota. I have his baseball card. He has nothing, <laughs> he has nothing to do with this. Um, but no, I just, you know, it, the Cardinals are by far the best team in terms of the roster. And I think if you looked at the winter, going into it with fans assumed would happen, all we heard about was how much money teams lost in the pandemic. Wouldn't everyone in St. Louis grade the Cardinals offseason as an A plus? Wouldn't everyone grade it that way? You got rid of a disgruntled player and Dexter Fowler. You bring back Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright, which everyone thought was going to be it. That that would be the most important moves of the offseason. And now you trade for Nolan Arenado. You don't give any of your top prospects away in the process. This is an A plus. There's more excitement going into a Cardinal season than I've seen in quite a long time. And the Cardinals are always predicted to be in the top two of the NL Central. So this is exciting. The Cardinals won the offseason in this division and they they're gonna have, you know, the target on the back. They are the team to beat. I don't care what the Pakota rankings say. They're the team to beat in the NL Central. And we should all be excited about that. No doubt about it. Hey, we are watching uh, 61 to 70 right now uh, here in the studio on MLB Network. We've always got you up in the mornings. <laughs> Thanks, We're always watching. Man. Well, my, my hair usually isn't up in the mornings, but right <laughs> now it is. So uh, we'll see if I look awake when you see the show later tonight. Have a great show. Thanks for your time. We always appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All right. You guys are the best. Take care. See you, Greg. Greg Amzinger, MLB Network, and you, we'll see him tonight. So... Tonight will be 51 to 60 for top 100 MLB players right now. Uh, I guess Randy Rosarena, he didn't do enough to crack much beyond number 100. I think that's fair. Yeah, it was one month. I think you got to look at more of a, a body of work. But then you, on the flip side, you say, well, 60 games, is that enough to drop people with their full no, body I, of work? I agree with you. Yeah. And be I think last year was so weird that you had a Altuve. I don't think he should drop out of the top 50. Javi Baez. You had some really good players that had really bad years last year. And Andrew Benatendi last year hit 103. Yeah. Uh, the Altuve thing, I, I wonder if they drop Houston players because of that the focus be. of having aided what they did in cheating. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if that's part of it. Other players, not so much. Um now, my understanding is this year that players will be able to look at video, that there's a way that they can block the catcher's signs or something like that, that they are able to to go back to what Javi Baez is, wants to look at. Um, so we'll see. You know, we'll see how that works out. One other player, by the way, that I would love the Cardinals to get, and he had a terrible year last year, is Marwin Gonzalez. He's one of the free agents out there. I don't think – I'm sure the Cardinals aren't going to get him. He's not coming to camp on a non-roster invite. But – that's a pretty good player to finish in the bottom 10 in OPS. You mentioned Did you see how bad that year was? Oh, yeah. Gonzalez was terrible. Horrific. In two, in two years ago, he was really good and could play all over the diamond, too. Yeah. 
And you had Jorge Polanco and Yuli Gurriel finishing in the in the bottom 15. Josh Bell was in the bottom 20 in OPS. He just got moved, obviously, yeah. to Washington. A lot of good players that I would love to have on my team were terrible last year. So that I do throw that 60 games out for, for great or for terrible. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line. Take it or leave it. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker with you. And guys, over the years, going all the way back to the first big trade when the Cardinals brought in Mark McGuire, he was a really good guy in the clubhouse. His teammates loved him, and he, he was part of a culture that started. And then when they bring in people like Edmonds, a, a really good teammate that his teammates adored, a, a guy like Daryl Kyle, a guy like Scott Rowland, when, when they've made trades for guys as recently as Goldschmidt and now Ar- Arenado, and Dan, you're around the team on a regular basis, and you talk to the people that most intimately know, the, the, the guys the Cardinals have traded for, they have wound up with guys that are really good for the culture. If you're around the clubhouse at all, And just observe, you can see, and and I've never seen Arenado in a clubhouse, but Goldschmidt, the quality of the people they bring in is really, it it appears important to the organization. For sure. I mean, you're not sometimes going to get saints that come to your organization and that, that happens. But I think when they've targeted these big contracts, like the holiday one certainly comes to mind, Goldschmidt, the, the ones that you mentioned, the one thing you got to remember about baseball, guys share agents, and they know. You know, they they know each other. They, the fraternization of baseball is true. It, it's happening. So they they all work out in the off season together. I mean, you could walk. You know, we were talking about Ben Attendee earlier today, and Ben Attendee at times will work out with Matt Adams and some others that are here in town. Uh, Luke Voigt. You know, mm-hmm. these, these guys all know each other, and so it, when you make that kind of deal, many times. Uh, depending on how much time you have in the game or with that organization, you could go to a general manager and say, hey, are you looking at this guy? Or I've talked to this player. He wants to get here. Can we make it happen? Or can you try to do it? Or what's the status? I mean, they do their homework. They know what kind of player they're getting and person for the most part. And I would think if you're the Cardinals and you know that your fan base is going to be latching on to players in a different way. You do want to make sure that it's about as safe of a bet as yeah. you can possibly yeah. get. Absolutely. If you're going to invest in Nolan Arenado for yeah. that kind of money, and for think, sure. Think about Yachty saying that I've been talking to Arenado for a couple of years. Yeah, right. that's right. And Great point. Yesterday, Bill DeWitt III was on the fast lane, and those guys asked him about bringing a player into the Cardinal culture. My view on that subject is, and I'll give you a little bit of a nuanced answer. I think that if you have good leadership on a team, you can maybe take a risk on a guy that might have some baggage um, personality-wise because leadership can be so important in making sure that that doesn't become a problem. Um, Tony used to be funny about, let's go get this guy. And everyone would be like, well, are you kidding me? Look what he did, you know, this and that. Oh, we can, we can, we can handle that. <laughs> but I think where I would say that it's been really important from a, 
franchise approach is that when you're making a big bet, not like a one-term, you know, a one-year deal or a, you know, a fill-in guy for a, um, that folds into an open position. I'm talking about a big long-term bet. I think that's where it's absolutely critical. Um, and when you look at our, our big long-term uh, commitments to guys like, um, you know, Roland and, and Holiday and, and Pujols back in his original deal and uh, McGuire, I mean, these were guys that everybody respected in, in the clubhouse. And um, that's served us very well. I, I, you know, and, and extensions with, you know, Yachty and Wayno are, are good examples there, too. You keep betting on those guys because um, they're so great in the clubhouse and important for, you know, helping others on your team and, and ultimately winning. Two points here. Number one, in 2008, Tony wanted to bring in Barry Bonds. So that might have been what he was <laughs> referring to. Uh, secondly, it does matter in terms of wins and losses. That what, what he was talking about. I firmly believe matters in terms of winning games. We're going to visit with uh, Jim Edmonds at nine. And remember, at that time, you know, a lot of people thought, well, Edmonds, he's going to play hard. He, you know, will he fit? He's a Southern California guy. Is he going to fit here? And that what he just described is exactly what happened. Tony saying, go get him. Let's get him here. Let's in, let's expose him to this environment, baseball environment talk to mcguire that was a big factor this too those two knew each other a little bit and all of a sudden he's a cardinal hall of famer you know what i mean mm -hmm. it, it yeah. worked they did their homework so that's a great example of what he's talking about i think clubhouse chemistry is really important too and if you're going to spend that much money on a player and bring him in and maybe you've heard as you mentioned dan through the grapevine that he's not very liked or he's not somebody that's going to be a team player is that someone you really want to bring into your clubhouse and have on your payroll for many years that's the key. Many years, no. Short-term trade deadline, I, I'm fine with it. If you got a bad guy, but he performs, and you're going to get him for like two months to bring him in. Now you got to be careful. I mean, you don't want to disrupt it too much, but I, I think you you sometimes you you bring in those rusty nails. You bring in guys that oh, yeah. sometimes disrupted. You know, so I, I think sometimes clubhouse chemistry gets overblown a little bit too. It's not all kumbaya. Um, winning is what dictates whether guys get along it really does really? i mean if you win there's and there's teams that don't get along that win too you know what i mean just get people that win man just win baby just win <laughs> thanks i'm Al. serious i just win baby yeah. they the cardinals we, we talk we're talking about the big bets there think about guys like will clark who was only here for a couple of months or lance berkman who was only here for a couple of years major difference makers and and maybe we're talking about leadership here more than just being good guys, guys that are willing to drag the rest of the group along with them yeah. into the fight. Yeah, there's a difference between the two, too. You know what I mean? Like the two guys that you're talking about were awesome. And I remember the first day Lance Berkman showed up at spring training. I think, you know, here he is this. We we're all waiting for him. And he was the last guy to show up at spring training and he showed up with like five minutes to go or something like that you know for you can pour and he came in with some goofy outfit and he's like how you doing boy you know he just comes in and you know it was great and he fit in immediately and yeah. then he performed you know he hit i think 34 home runs or something like mm -hmm. that his first year in st louis and he was awesome so if leadership also comes in the form of performing yep. you know if you put up the numbers 
and you perform or you answer the bell and those guys in there know that you're hurt and you're answering the bell every day, that's leadership. And, and sometimes it doesn't come from the vocal aspect of it. It comes by what you do between the white lines. I also, see it all the time. Also, if you're Mr. DeWitt and you're paying that much money, you want somebody that you can put on a billboard that can answer oh, yeah. questions in press mm-hmm. conferences, that can be an advertising vehicle for you in a lot of ways. And oh, Nolan Arenado is certainly going to do that with his play on the field. People don't even need to hear him speak and they're going to show up to the ballpark. But it certainly helps that he's great with the media and that he's a face that you you can put on a billboard too. To superstar. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's a superstar. It's a marketable superstar. And not to say Goldschmidt isn't a super he is but he's not the rah rah going out there being that you know he's a reluctant face I guess that's the way to put it you know I, he's, he's big just, fundy he is he's just steady Eddie right you right. know he's just not gonna do crazy things and you know he's gonna hit a walk off bomb and barely smile and you know and Nolan Arenado's gonna hit a walk off and get cut with a you know somebody's helmet under his eye like he did on Father's Day mm-hmm. and go nuts to the crowd. That may happen. You know, and that's, you're right, to your point, Michelle. I mean, that's And then it's on Sports sellable. Center. And, yes. it, and it's, you're getting yeah. talked about on a national platform. He's a superstar. He's a superstar. Yeah. And there are some guys, let's go back to Barry Bonds, that you just couldn't do that with. Now, you can put an action shot of Barry Bonds on a billboard, but do you want, is Barry Bonds even going to go to a podium to talk to the media and put a good face on things after you lose a game. No, he's not that guy. But would you have gone and watched him? Oh, definitely. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, he, he did. and, and by the way, in yeah. kind of like, like us here, where all sins with McGuire were forgiven for Bonds in San Francisco. Same thing. For all the most sins part, yeah. are forgiven. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen it out there. It's it's you know as much as I see that people are so adamant about being mad about what Barry Bonds did, and I, I understand it. You go to San Francisco, it's a different deal. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that feel outside of St. Louis that way about McGuire, but here it's it's a different deal. Um, but I, I want to go back to what Michelle was saying, though. I mean, the Cardinals, even Holiday, not to say he was a reluctant superstar, and I think we're seeing way more of his personality mm-hmm. now that he's yeah. done playing than we did when he was playing. Um, we, we, we've been waiting for a superstar like this maybe since Pujols. You know, Yachty is a superstar, um, I, in my opinion. He's a great player. He's a face of the franchise. He's a he really could be a face of Major League Baseball in the prime of his career. One of them, you know, he was one of the guys that um, the World Baseball Classic would put on their billboards and things of that nature. But this is a a massive, massive deal on many fronts for the Cardinals. Absolutely. That is today's fresh take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got the fight. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Welcome back to Character and Smallman with Danny Mack here on 101 ESPN. It is 836. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We have an interesting fighter on the line today, Dan, that's going to compete against Randy. This is uh, Brett. Brett, are you with us? I am, Dan. How are you doing today? I, I'm doing well. Uh, Brett, uh, you had some fighting words for Randy, did you not? <laughs> Do you want to explain to our listeners your text to become a part of this fight? Well, I, I've learned from my years of listening to you guys that you have to talk trash to try to get on there. I know uh-huh. you don't poke the bear like Michelle says, That's but right. uh, 
Hey, you know, I got to start somewhere. Well, you apparently have poked the bear. Do you uh, want to explain exactly what you said? <laughs> yeah, I said, uh, if you pick me, that Randy will be destroyed. Uh-huh. And then Randy, ah, I told him that during the break, and mm-hmm. Michelle, and, oh, uh, and Randy said, well, then don't give him any multiple choice. But we're not going to do that. We're going to give you multiple choice. We wouldn't do that to you. So away we go, Brett, and uh, good luck to you. Thank you, sir. Yeah, Brett, don't worry. We know that you don't want to take it Randy style. No. Yeah, um, that's that's a bit much. It is. It is. You don't want that smoke. All right, question number one. In his first major league at bat, Adam Wainwright accomplished which feat? Was it that he hit a game-winning single, that he hit a triple, or he hit a home run? His first bat. We'll go with triple. Question number two. Which pitcher led the 2004 Cardinals in victories with 16? Jeff Supon, Matt Morris, or Chris Carpenter? Said 2004? Yes, sir. Matt Morris. What was the first one you said? Jeff Supon. Uh, I think it was. Yeah, we'll go with Soup. Okay. Question number three for you, Brett. Former Cardinal J.D. Drew was drafted number two overall by which team in the 1997 draft? Was it the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, the Philadelphia Phillies, or the Chicago Cubs? Mm. Uh, I have no idea. I said nothing this morning. We'll go with uh, second one. So the Phillies? Yeah, complete guess. Sure. In 2000, the Cardinals traded Kent Bottenfield and Adam Kennedy to the Angels in exchange for whom? Scott Spezio, Jim Edmonds, or Eric Davis? Jim Edmonds. All right, we're checking our score here. Randy is on his way in. Brad, what do you do for a living? I do concrete. Okay. Do you listen to 101 all day? All day. That's uh, very, very nice of you to do that. From the morning to the end. All right. We appreciate that. Uh, Randy has made his way back into the studio. Randy, he was talking a little trash. but uh, No, no, no. He was. Oh, Remember I told you about it. Yeah. He said he's going to destroy you. So uh, uh, say good morning to Brett. Hey, Brett. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm going to be honest. It's a lot easier when you're listening in the car and not on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Good to have you with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. By the way, your friends at Clementine's, Michelle, dropping off a Valentine's goodie for you. Is this a hot chocolate bomb? I think so. It yeah. looks delicious. It is. I mm. saw those all over Instagram during the holidays. You pour the hot water over it, mm. it opens up, the marshmallows emerge. Delightful. All right, Randy, question number one. In his first major league at bat, Adam Wainwright accomplished which feat? Did he hit a, I think he did hit a home run in his first major yeah. league at bat. Question number two Which pitcher led the 2004 Cardinals in victories with 16? 2004. Four Cardinals. So you had Carpenter who got hurt in August. You had Supon. You had Williams. You had Morris. And uh, somebody else. So I'm going to go Matty Moe. Randy, former Cardinal J.D. Drew was drafted number two overall by which team in the 1997 draft? 1997 draft, number two overall. So he was drafted number one. No, number four by the Cardinals. I believe he was drafted... And subsequently was uh, had batteries thrown at him by the Phillies and their fans. In 2000, the Cardinals traded Kent Bottenfield and Adam Kennedy to the Angels in exchange for whom? Jim Edmonds. Okay. 
Brett talked some trash. And he was right, too, because there's a tie here. Oh, yes, there is. Both Brett and Randy got three correct. So, Brett, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to read the tiebreaker question. As I'm reading it, Randy is going to write down his answer on a post-it, if he can find it. And you are going to get first crack at this on the radio. We're going to give you about 10 seconds to answer. First person to get it correct or closest to the pin is going to win. Sound good? Yes, ma'am. Excellent. All right, here is our tiebreaker question. How many holes in one have there been at the Masters Tournament since its inception in 1934? Mm, Let's go with 17. Okay. Um, I'll go with 75. All right. We have a winner. We we do. We have a winner and new champion, Average Joe Listener. Yeah, yeah. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Danny Mac is in complete Ooh, shock here. I am. This is shocking. <laughs> He's in yeah. complete shock. Brett, I think Randy is too. Brett came in hot with the trash talk on the text line, and he backed it up, beating Randy in an epic fight. So he did not take the uh, the... The uh, selections, right? No, he, he gave the selections. Oh, okay. We gave the yeah, selections. sorry. Oh, okay. sorry. Uh, did so, he even ask him? Yes, we I did. did. We okay. did, yeah. It wasn't a total Randy fight, oh, but. No. Sorry, uh, Randy. No, I'm not that many, good, how Randy. Many, how many hole in ones have there been in holes in one? Have there been at the Masters? I will tell you. Let's run through all of the answers okay. here. So, <clears> in his first major league at bat, Adam Wainwright did hit a home run. That was against the San Francisco Giants. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, which pitcher led the 2004 Cardinals in victories with 16? Uh, Brett went with Jeff Supon. That is correct. Randy, you went with Matt Morris, but it is Jeff Supon. Both of you got this one correct. J.D. Drew was drafted number two overall by the Philadelphia Phillies in the 97 draft. And number four was in 2000. The Cardinals traded Kent Bottenfield, Adam Kennedy to the Angels in exchange for Jim Edmonds, who will be our guest in about uh, 10 or 15 minutes or so. Looking forward to that. And then the tiebreaker question was this. How many holes in one have there been at the Masters Tournament since its inception in 1934? Brett went with 17. Randy, I'm assuming, went Price is Right style and went 75. I figured there was at least one a year. A higher number. The correct answer is 31. Hmm. So Brett was closest to the pin. He gets the victory. And we are going to talk to him again tomorrow as he takes one step closer to the Hall of Fame. And so, since you are, Brett, you, you say, you, I've met my match. So the match would be without multiple choice, right? Uh, <laughs> let's work our way up there. <laughs> Good to have you let's with do that sites. on the Hall of Fame bot if I get that far. <laughs> there right. you go, Brett. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. Brett with us yeah, on one ESPN. Well, we'll I want to say long-time listener. I love your show. And I want to tell my girlfriend I love her. She's beautiful. What's, All right. Brett, what's her name? My, Elena. 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 Shout out to Elena. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Boy, that and tugs at the hard strings, doesn't it? That's it does. A, Happy that's Valentine's. A, I was wow. going to say, that's a flex on Valentine's wow, Day. That's... Shouting out your girlfriend on the radio after you beat Randy in the fight. Good, good going. Randy is not happy, not ladies and gentlemen. You're... No, just admit it. You're upset. I'm I'm totally upset. You play it off like you're not upset. You're upset. What people can't see behind the scenes is the steam coming out of Randy's ears. Oh, he ears. is pissed. <laughs> it's okay, though. You'll get over it, I think. I think I'll be over it when I, I beat him tomorrow. I, oh. oh. <laughs> Did you hear that, Brett? You listen all day. <laughs> coming up.
up Jeremy Rutherford on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our friend Jeremy Rutherford is always kind enough to join us. And, JR, I know one of the things that you really like is that uh, breakfast from Hardee's. Well, tomorrow morning, you can participate in the 21st Annual Hardee's Rise and Shine for Heat fundraiser. You can stop by any participating Hardee's, JR, in the Bi-State area, and between 6 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. tomorrow, grab a sausage biscuit or egg biscuit for the special price of just a buck. And the best part, 100% of the proceeds of all funds collected are going to help heat up St. Louis, which supports people in need in both Missouri and Illinois. So help heat up the St. Louis region this Friday morning at any participating Hardee's. Jay, are you in? I got one six minutes away from me, 11 minutes away from me, and 21 minutes. I know right where they're at, so I will be there. Perfect. All right, let's start with this. <laughs> this is the weirdest schedule in the history of hockey for the Blues and the Coyotes. Is this a, is there any way to gauge this? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Does it matter that they're playing seven games in a row against each other? Well, I think it just comes down to whether you're playing well or not. And uh, the Blues have played better in, in the most recent game, but in this series, uh, Arizona obviously has the upper hand winning the last three. So uh, if you ask the Blues, you know, we talked to him yesterday and said, are you tired of playing the Arizona Coyotes? And Craig Bruby said, I'm tired of losing to them. So uh, they need to figure out some of these things that are happening within uh, this series, the first four games, because you got three more games against them. So, you know, when they rescheduled the April game for this Friday, adding another game to the series, you know, the Blues went along with that. You know, if you're the Blues, maybe you could put up a fit and say, you know, we want to wait till we get Tarasenko back. We want to wait until we get Robbie Thomas back. But evidently, they're okay with uh, continuing the series because they agreed to play this other game. Jerry, you have a great piece up at The Athletic about the length of this series where experts describe to you how the Blues should prepare for a long series about this. So can you give us some insight into maybe how the, Bru- the Blues are going to approach this? Yeah, just a little bit talking to some assistant coaches and some players around the league. It is a long series, and it does present different challenges because most staffs are used to preparing for the next opponent with video based on their previous game. So you're playing – uh, the Arizona Coyotes tonight, but you're going to play the Colorado Avalanche uh, two nights later. You start preparing for Colorado then, but they're not using the film in this situation. They're basing it on, on the last game, what they're seeing with the matchups, what they're seeing on special teams, how Arizona's defending the penalty kill, things like that. And then you have to make these changes on the fly. So, for example, uh, the Ryan O'Reilly line has done a pretty good job five on five against that Schmaltz line. However, uh, the Shen line has been out against uh, that uh, Schmaltz line for six or seven minutes, five on five, and they have two goals against them. So those are things that the Blues staff are noting and obviously uh, keeping in mind when they move on to the next game. The other thing that uh, you move on, you see a, a different opponent usually. Uh, you're looking at a different PK. Well, you're looking at this Arizona PK, and they're coming at you. They're coming out to the points and pressuring. That's giving the Blues some fit. So uh, just so unique, uh, this situation as the Blues see the same thing night after night. Yeah, JR, good to hear from you this morning. What do you think is going to happen with the Blues special teams? What can they do to mix things up or shake it up to try to get uh, back on track? Or do you even get on track? Yeah, I think they can. They have the the personnel to get on track. And and I can tell you uh, the old cliche, if practice makes perfect, uh, then they should be better. Because, Dan, they spent a ton of time yesterday 
on special teams, working on the power play, and probably the longest penalty kill session I've seen in a long time, uh, Steve Ott taking him through uh, the penalty kill. And, I mean, we're getting down to the basics. We're talking about, they were talking, you know, where to stand, where to defend, where to put your stick in this situation. Uh, so they worked on it a, a lot. Now, the, the power play, uh, and, and I'm a guilty party here, we made a lot about it in the preseason. I think it's going to be better. They made some tweaks the last game, and it got them a goal in their first chance. And, and I think that the balance units where David Prawn can have a righty nearby him with Justin Falk, he said yesterday that he really likes that look. They're used to having that righty with Alex Petrangelo. So I think big picture down the road, Tory Krug is going to be a big part of this power play. It's just right now he's still feeling it out, and uh, they needed to do something. So they've made the tweaks, and they'll see what, what, what works. JR, you've followed this for such a long time. Is this natural? It doesn't seem like when we've watched new players come in that it's taken this long, they played a quarter of the season, to get on the same page in terms of the specialty teams and especially the power play. Yeah, you're exactly right. And and I'll point out uh, something that uh, I got from Ray Bennett, the former Blues assistant coach who's now on the Colorado staff. He says that uh, it's not necessarily a surprise that it's taking this long for Tory Krug because the power play up in Boston with all those great parts you're talking about, uh, Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak, and Tory Krug, it was just perpetual motion. Everybody was moving. Uh, guys that were starting out high were going down low. And you're talking about eight years of chemistry with those guys. So this isn't a deal where Boston's power play was good for a couple of years. Tory Krug was just there for a couple of years. We're talking about eight years. And so I think when we look at it, yeah, 13 games, uh, it seems like enough time to figure it out. These guys have been on the units for a long time. You know, I, I think that soon we should be starting to see something. But listening to Tory Krug uh, talk yesterday, uh, he said he feels like he'll get there, but they're, they're still trying to figure things out. So I think we do have to keep in mind that it was just such a, a great power play in Boston, and they, the way they made it work is uh, somewhat different than what they do here in St. Louis. Jared, I want to circle back to this now elongated series with the Coyotes. The Blues obviously have had scheduled disruptions because of COVID. We've seen it all across the NHL. Should fans be concerned about this? Do you think this is going to be a big problem throughout the season? And if so, how is that going to impact the teams yeah i think so and you know you cross your fingers if you're a blues fan because they haven't been affected every day at four o'clock that list comes out who's on the list and it says st louis none but meanwhile michelle you've seen uh, several teams get shut down and you had a situation the other night between anaheim and vegas where they pulled a vegas player in the second period uh, because he did test positive but yet i believe they're still going through with the scheduled game between those teams uh, tonight. So they're trying to figure out, and I know we're trying to figure out this as a society, is, is the transmission and, and particularly with sports, can it happen in-game? Can players uh, transfer the virus in-game? And, you know, to me, I just don't think they, they should take the chance. I mean, you pull a player, was he not just sitting by his teammates on the bench throughout that entire game? So uh, it seems a little risky, but, you know, if you're the Blues, you know, they just uh, can continue to follow the protocol and do they be- do their best and, and hope for the best and, and so far, they've been pretty lucky. I know you talk to a lot of people in the league. Are they, you know, happy with how they've done this in getting through these games? Do they feel like they knew this was coming? Has it surprised them? Where where are they with COVID and in, in trying to get through the year? Well, I think that, uh, you know, they were pretty blessed with the bubble situation, Dan, in Edmonton and Toronto. It worked out great for the playoffs last year. Obviously, this is a completely different animal. They're not inside a bubble. I think that they felt uh, that all the protocol they had in place uh, would be uh, something that, that could work, but they knew they were going to encounter some, some issues. To this level, 
Probably not. Uh, and the, the, you know the answer to that because last week they put out additional protocols. They're adding to this. They're changing it. The other thing here is, and we don't have enough time to get into all the details, but the testing that the NHL is doing. Mike Russo did a great piece at The Athletic the other day, and it's, it's not as involved. They can't determine as much information as they probably should based on the type of testing they're doing. And so Bill Daly uh, with the NHL said that they're going to they're gonna try to get into more specific, uh, uh, detailed testing that will allow them to, to make some stronger determinations on, on how they proceed uh, with canceling uh, games, postponing games, and, and moving forward. So I think that this is something that is obviously bigger than what they had to deal with in the playoffs. And like the other leagues, Dan, they're just trying to uh, do the best they can um, day to day. JR, before we let you go, one of the things that you wanted to do at, at the athletic is give people inside access to the blues dressing room and show them things that they hadn't seen before, or that you, you wanted to be able to teach people in, in this scenario where every interview is on zoom and you aren't in the dressing room. How difficult is it for you to do your job? It is. And, and I'll give you a quick example here is that when I was writing the piece that Michelle referred to, I woke up that day and I said, I'm going to get on five or six Zooms today with different teams around the league. And I had the writers in that city email me the Zoom to get into it. You know, you spend 10, 15 minutes waiting for your turn to ask a question. And you ask a question, hey, coach, what do you think about the Blues and Coyotes playing seven straight games? What adjustments need to be made? And the answers are pretty bland. So if you don't get anything, then you pick up the phone and you call a coach that you have a relationship with, uh, Ray Bennett in this case, uh, the former Blues assistant, and you get more detailed information. So I think it's just understanding what works, what's going to tell people something. I felt like the Zoom uh, wasn't going to tell anybody anything. So uh, you pick up the phone and make that extra phone call. So that's what we're doing right now. But I do have a couple pieces coming up uh, here in the next week or two um, that I'm really excited about. Uh, and, and I didn't need Zoom for him, thankfully, so I uh, made some phone calls. So, so you're right. You do have to uh, change your way of thinking, but I think it's all uh, doable at this point. And by the way, Randy, uh, I've already blocked Brett on Twitter, so he's no longer going to get the uh, blues-practice combination. So uh, I got your you. back, Randy. Somebody that's on back. my side. I appreciate that, JR. I'm Team <laughs> Brett. <laughs> hey, the- which Hardee's is best, the 6, the 11, or the 21-minute Hardee's? Which one, is, is, which one do you like best? All three of them. All three of them, Randy. But, uh, but with the, the ice on the ground here, the snow, I'll probably go the 6-minute one. All right. Thank yeah. you, sir. Talk to you soon. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. That's our friend Jeremy Rutherford from The <laughs> Athletic on 101 ESPN. He's got your back, Randy. He's always had your back. Team Randy. I'm Team Brett tomorrow. And I'm not going to, you know, people think, oh, you're going to cheat on the fight. How many times, Michelle, do you get people saying that, oh, you, you just gave these away? Oh, all the time. People yeah. always have issues on the We don't line. give them away. No, we don't. But I am team. I just hope everybody has fun. Oh, stop. <laughs> hey, we're going to get stop. to Jim Edmonds next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. ESPN. Good. One week, the Cardinals will be down in Jupiter getting ready for the 2021 season. Spring training is upon us. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Michelle Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, And standing by is the Cardinal Hall of Famer, Jim Edmonds. Jimmy Baseball, always good to have you on the show. How you doing? I'm doing good. Good morning to you all. Well, let's Except start with for one of you. Good morning to all of you, but but the one. Why would you say guy. that to Michelle? That's <laughs> why would you do that, Jimmy? Yeah, come on, Jim. It's inappropriate. Got, 
he's so witty. I can't I can't ever beat him. So no, right. no, no. That just I, I don't. You know, it's early in the morning and you're acting like this already. I, I think it's inappropriate. I don't like it. You're supposed to be feeding Good kids morning. at this point. I just walked away from them. So yeah. Thank so you. you should be happy to be doing this interview. Uh, yes, you are correct. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm um, just enjoying the little uh, white stuff on the ground and hanging out at the house and uh, looking forward maybe to baseball starting on time. Yeah. I, well, I'm, I'm thinking that they are. You know, I've got, uh, I got my fingers crossed. I know you talk to the guys. They're all getting ready. They want to play. So this time of year, creatures of habit, they're ready to go. Yeah, I just find it very interesting. I, I unless I'm just under a rock, I just haven't seen like a definite start date. But everyone keeps saying spring training is a week away, so um, I'm I'm ho- I'm hopeful, and uh, you know I'd like to like everything to go smoothly, and I hope we can get some fans in the seats this year. Absolutely, Jim. Well, let's start with the big headline coming out of the offseason for the Cardinals, and that's their acquisition of Nolan Arenado. We know what he's going to provide for this team from a defensive standpoint, but how does a guy like Nolan Arenado impact the Cardinals lineup? Well, anytime you can extend the lineup, so to speak, where you just get another bat, um, it makes it tougher on the pitchers. Obviously, he's one of those guys that's going to put up numbers, but what guys like him and Paul Goldschmidt do – um, Yachty Molina, um, as far as how they take their bats, puts a lot of stress on the pitchers mentally and physically. And it's just another guy that you have to go around uh, in that lineup. And, you know, you could see the way the teams were built in the early 2000s when we were together, when you had three guys or four guys that you have to battle with every day. It's, not, it's hard. Uh, and there's just really no stopping lineups like that. What was it like when you guys added Roland? When you were out there in center field watching that defense play on the infield, what did he bring to the table? Because people are talking about Arenado and Roland, if they're not the two best ever, two of the three best defensive third basemen ever. Yeah, it was funny because Scott and I were such good friends. We had some running jokes where, you know, sometimes he said he just would dive and throw his glove out there. And I said, well, yeah, it really doesn't look like that, though. Everyone else thinks you know what you're doing. So, um we used to have fun with it, but it, it's it's so special. Anytime you can get a seat behind some of the best players in the league, um, it's got to be so much fun. And uh, I loved it. I loved watching guys that can play. You know, like I loved enjoyed Renteria and and guys like that moved around the infield that just made plays, play after play after play. But these guys are special. There's not another. You're right. Probably two or three guys. You know, obviously got to throw Brooks Robinson out there, but. Um, I don't think that people in, understand or realize what they're watching when they watch Scott Rowland and when they now watch uh, Arenado because I just think it, you're not going to see stuff like this ever again. Jimmy, what would you tell Nolan Arenado about St. Louis? So he's not played in Bush Stadium as a home player. Uh, you came from the West Coast, and all of a sudden you're exposed to what we all you know talk about as being one of the best baseball cities in America. So... Nolan calls you up and he says, "All right, Jimmy, I'm going to uh, I'm going to St. Louis. What should I expect? What would you tell him?" Um, well, I'd ask him if he wants to buy my house and make a huge profit off of that. Well, of course, that's number one. <laughs> right, right. Um, no, I uh, you know just <laughs> I mean I you know what's funny is it, there's no words that can describe it, and everyone knows what it's like. People see it, you witness it from the visitor side. You know how special it is, and I think people are pretty. Uh, pretty hip to it. I, I think that 
you know, it's just one of those things where when you get there, it, it, it's better than you can ever expect. And it's hard to put that into words and tell somebody because I, I remember just everywhere I went, people were talking about baseball. And um, it, 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 one, I think it's great. And two, it carries a pretty big burden on your shoulders to go out there and play well every night. And I think you, it actually, for me, made me a better player. Jim, there's always players that the fans and the organization look at through different lenses. And Harrison Bader certainly seems to be one of those players. The Cardinals seem to really like him and feel confident in his abilities. So I want to know from you, when you look at Harrison Bader, what do you see? What are your expectations for him? Um, I still see a young prospect that that still needs, um, you know, to hone his skills a little bit more. He has, you know, obviously troubles with certain pitches and, um, he's dynamic in the outfield. I don't think there's anyone really as good as he uh, is out there right now. And, um, you know, the the thing for him being young and gets frustrated at the plate. And sometimes I don't believe he does this, but it looks like sometimes he takes it in the outfield. Um, he doesn't make too many mistakes out there. So that's not the issue, but it's just pitch recognition and really a game plan. And someone needs, you know, be in his ear all the time with the game plan, talk to him, you know, speak to him right away before it gets, you know, out, out of his head and he goes out there for another inning. I like, I loved Rod Carew because as soon as you sat down after an at-bat, he'd come over and he would go through the at-bat with you instantly. And I think that makes a big difference because it's still fresh in your mind. You think, oh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try that next time. And then, you know, if you wait till, you know, three innings later, a day later, an hour later, it's hard to relive that moment. So um, I, I just think maybe a little bit more hands-on approach um, you know, because he doesn't have too much more wiggle room. I think that a couple guys in the minor leagues are sneaking their way through. You know, Dylan Carlson can play every position. Um, so it gets to be a little bit of pressure coming up here when you start to get, you know, they got with four or five young guys all battling for jobs. Jim, we all watch what happens with him, with Bader, with the slider from the right-hander. And you talk, talk about pitch recognition. Is Is that a gift or is that something that you can learn through reps? Well, I think it's just a mindset, to be honest with you. And it's usually not the slider that gives you troubles. It's usually trying to do too much with the fastball. And that means you're not seeing the slider. And, um, you know, my kind of thing with him was every, I told him every time it's you see something spinning, just don't take it. I mean, don't swing at it. Just try and take it because you're not recognizing it right away. And, you know, you look like you're trying to hunt fastballs. And if you're, if you're looking fastball middle in, you start to flinch and you can't stop for the slider. And you see that a lot with him. Um, tried to talk to him a lot about working the other way and going up the middle and had a lot of success kind of middle to the end of last year. But it's just hard to be consistent when, you know, especially last year, he didn't have a whole lot of chance to work. Um, the season was weird. You know, the batting cages was in the, it was in the stands and just – go on the road, you don't get any time in the, on the field. So you know, hopefully he learned a lot last year and uh, he can put that kind of on display this year. Was there any doubt in your mind that uh, Yachty and Wayno were coming back? I didn't have any doubt about it really, but how about for you? That's It's so funny that like you say that and I thought, how can they let them go really? Like I know – you know, I think guys feel disrespected if you don't sign right away. I don't know the, you know, the dialogue back and forth, but it, it was really funny that I just, like you just said, I was like, well, ho hum. I figured they were coming back. I yeah. just didn't go take this. But I think that, you know, in a situation where the Cardinals have X amount of dollars, you know, Mo's trying to do one thing, Mr. DeWitt's trying to do dollars and cents. And, um, 
it starts to make sense. You go get Arenado and you go get a, you know, you, you wait on everyone else. And to be honest with you, you need a catcher and he's probably the best one out there. Um, you need another guy that is eats up innings and can kind of pitch whenever you want him to. Plus he's a leader. So I, I mean, I think that's a no brainer. I didn't see any of the numbers. I don't really care about that, but yeah, I, I, I wasn't surprised. I was surprised at how long it took. Um, I'm surprised that somebody else didn't come along and really offer, you know, money quicker. And I don't really know the ins and outs of it, but uh, you know, they both were just sitting there hanging out. Jim, for this team that's trying to win in 2021, they have a rookie catcher in Kisner and they, they could have gone out and gotten a pedestrian guy, but how important is it for a team trying to win this year for this Cardinal team to have Yadier Molina behind the plate every day with this pitching staff? Well, I mean, he's the best, you know, it's not, there's, there's no replacing people like that. I, I, there's a few catchers that are pretty good, but when's the last time you talked about a guy um, and and his you know and his stratosphere? You talk about like what Pudge? I mean, who has been? Danny knows this as well as anyone. Like knows the whole game like the back of his hand. But who who else is out there that's that good that can do both? I mean, Salvador Perez is pretty good. He's a guy that catches. Sometimes he hits. Sometimes sometimes he doesn't. But is he really that good with his teammates? Is he really that good? you know, calling pitches as he, you know, does he do everything that Yachty does? Is he one of those guys that's going to go out there and, and kick one of the young Latins in the butt? And then is he going to be able to go out there and talk to the old veteran uh, like Wayno at the same time? So I just think that all those things that he does is so important. I, I just don't know if there's anyone else out there that can do that. My final question for you, Jimmy, are you uh, questioning why you live here with the weather <laughs> from being from Southern California? You like the snow. No, I, well, I actually like the snow. I don't like the cold. I, I don't, I don't like the wind. You know that. Dan. Yes, I, hate I, the I wind. know. So I know. I, I hate, and I don't like going to the visiting ballparks when it's 25 degrees outside and the air conditioners on like in Pittsburgh. I don't like that either. Well, we know but, now, um, now, hold on now that, that, that there's a little caveat there the air conditioning was on an opening day the only problem was an opening day in pittsburgh it literally was 20 degrees and they couldn't figure out why the ac was on so i understand that full took danny and i a full day to ask if there was a heater and i said i don't know and i walked over and the air conditioner was on so jimmy we put um, our we put our cheeks up on the window behind us do you remember that because that's where the sun was setting that was the only way we could warm up between innings that was brutal our cheeks you yes. said we put our cheeks up against the window? Both cheeks. Not cheeks, not your face cheeks. No, you I'm were talking both cheeks. The <laughs> I, I did both. <laughs> Holy cow, it was cold. But, yeah, I, I love <clears> the snow. <throat> I love the days like this when this, it's all white. Um, I almost don't like when they plow the driveway because I like the white stuff so much. I just don't like the 30 and windy. I'd take 15 degrees all day long as long as the wind's not blowing. Uh Okay, Jimmy. I'm not sure I <laughs> believe you, boring. but whatever. You know. the, beach, the beach is boring and the taxes are too high. But that part is true. That <laughs> part is go. true. Hey, thanks and for I doing this. Well, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. We're going to call games uh, hopefully in early March. We'll be doing it. That will be great. I hope that they start on time, and I hope that we have a job this year. I do, too. Thanks, Jimmy, for doing it. Appreciate you. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good day. See you, buddy. Take care. Jim Evans with us on 101 ESPN. He's a beauty. I love him. He is. He's got a little, you know, I was talking with somebody the other day, and they were asking me, well, you work with this guy, that guy, and you've done, you know, worked with these people, and 
What do you what do you think about Edmonds? I said he's got a lot of Tony Romo in him. I said if you like Tony Romo, I said he's a football. I said Edmonds is kind of the Tony Romo of football. Yeah. That was one of my questions that we didn't get to. He's so good at predicting things. I was going to have him give us a prediction for the season. Yeah, he he um, and between innings, he'll tell you things. He's like, oh, they're going to do this, that, and the other, and he's going to try to pitch him this way. And sometimes uh, he'll say it on the air, but you know things happen and you can't mm-hmm. get to it, and it happens. I mean, he's unbelievable. He's a I've always said you got Yachty, you got Chris Carpenter, you had Pujols, and you had Jimmy, and they are savants. They they just are thinking the game at a different level. It's incredible. Coming up, what's it say about the Cardinals' approach this year that Yachty or Molina is on the roster? That's next on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Friend of the station, the very funny Greg Warren, is tuned in this morning listening. He's a huge Cardinal fan, one of the great comedians in our country, and uh, shout out to Greg Warren. Awesome. He's you outstanding. Know, my family kind of grew up with the Warrens. Is that right? Yeah. I've known Greg since I was a little kid. Greg. He's awesome. He's a good man. Very funny. Wonderful man. Great dude. So thanks for tuning in. Meanwhile, the Cardinals have Yadier Molina back. And uh, if you didn't hear it, in our last segment, we asked Jim Edmonds, who played with Yadier Molina from 2000 through 2007, how important Molina is to the Cardinals who are trying to win in 2021. There's a few catchers that are pretty good. But when's the last time you talked about a guy um, in, in his, you know, in his stratosphere? You talk about, like, what, Pudge? I mean, who has been... Danny knows this as well as anyone that like, knows the whole game like the back of his hand, but who who else is out there that's that good that can do both? I mean, Salvador Perez is pretty good. He's a guy that catches. Sometimes he hits, sometimes sometimes he doesn't. But is he really that good with his teammates? Is he really that good, you know, calling pitches? Is he you know, does he do everything that Yachty does? Is he one of those guys that's gonna go out there and and kick one of the young Latins in the butt and then is he gonna be able to go out there and talk to the old veteran um, like Wayno at the same time. So I just think that all those things that he does is so important. I, I just don't know if there's anyone else out there that can do that. Dan, what was it that Ted Simmons said about Yachty? He could be your pitch, your catcher, yeah. your pitching coach, your manager. I think he had four jobs for yeah. him. He could hitting coach <laughs> all at once. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he said everything. By the way, I talked to Ted Simmons yesterday who has officially retired from Baseball. What a great career. Yeah. December 31st, he told me, was his final day with the uh, Atlanta Braves as a scout. And for fans that are curious, he uh, is living here in St. Louis. He said he's hunkered down because of the virus, but excited to make his speech uh, coming up in Cooperstown. But you look at the backup situation here with the St. Louis Cardinals, and you look at the importance of Yachty. The last time he played over 100 games was in 2019 he played in 113 prior to that 123 in 2017 it was 136 I I would assume that at his age and depending on where you you know for instance like if you're if you have a fairly big lead and you jump out in the central and let's just say for argument's sake that you're you're rolling um, I think you have to go to Yachty and he's got to be receptive to this and say we're trying to save you we're going to buy you some games down the stretch and if not then he plays a lot. And, you know, I'm thinking he's got to take at least 30 games off. If he has a fully healthy season, you're going to have to have 30 games to somebody behind the plate, at least 35. I think it's Andrew Kisner. I, that, that's the direction I go. And I think the 
the way we're viewing this, the perception of it shifted with the signing of Yadier Molina because we we talk all the time of who's going to be the heir apparent. How are they going to evaluate somebody when they have Yadier? But I think the signing of Nolan Arenado puts all the things that Jim Edmonds just described into the forefront of this, and I think the Cardinals are going for it. So it's not necessarily all about finding out who you have behind him, but oh, yeah. preserving Yadi so that when you need him down the stretch and those competitive moments, he's fresh and ready to go. I say this not from a base business standpoint, but from strictly a baseball standpoint, on the field, looking at 2021 and beyond. If you don't bring back... Or if you don't trade for Nolan Arenado, what's the real point of bringing Yachty back? Because to me, from a baseball standpoint only, you need to find out about Kisner. I don't think you're winning. I don't think you can even win in with the randomness of the postseason if you don't make that trade. So I, I think you need to find out about all of your young guys in addition to the outfielders. And yes, from a business standpoint, for all of the promotions that you can do with Yadi, that part of it makes sense, having a going-away tour. But was was Yadi going, like Mo said, when they got Arenado, they went from good to great. I think if they just have Yadi and don't have Arenado, they're still just good. Yeah, and Adam Wainwright, when I asked him, I, I guess about a week ago, I said, why, why did you come back? And he said it was for about two weeks, really touch and go. He said there were some other teams that were out there and there were some good money deals and ones that made financial sense he said look I, I don't need to make any more money he said that's not the point he said I can't leave money on the table if I can't give it away he said so I'm going to get a deal that makes sense for me obviously he said but you come back to the Cardinals because you have a chance to win mm-hmm. you have a chance to win and they have a chance to win this year I think when you look at the Central Division in my mind and I know I'm going against Pakota here they're third <laughs> How dare play- you? Yeah, I know <laughs> I think they're the the, the, the clear-cut favorites. I, I really do. I, I'm just shocked at some of those projections. And once you get in, like we always say, you have a shot. I would love to see what they do at the trade deadline. If they get a frontline starter of some sort, now that's a game-changer. What is Flaherty doing this season as a number one? Um, can you bank innings for Wayno to keep him fresh down the stretch? Is there somebody that emerges? You know, Michaelis emerged to be an all-star you know, a couple years ago, those things happen in a season. So you just don't know over 162, but again, I, I, they're built to win right now in, in 2021. And you talk about banking innings. If you can have a healthy Jordan Hicks work back, like Whitey always did in the bullpen. Yeah. You have a lead Hicks pitches your ninth Gallego pitch Gallegos pitches your eighth Martinez pitches your seventh or Reyes or Reyes. And then you've got, people like Helsley, you've got your left-handers. Gant. Gant. Gant is awfully good. You could turn your games, you could A, bank innings, and if you have a lead, turn your game into a five-inning game with that bullpen. I think the first couple of weeks, um, or first couple of months, I should say, the Cardinals will do that, and I think majority of teams in baseball are going to do that, and that's why you have to look at the full projections and go, yeah, you're basing this off of 2020 and looking at this, that, and the other. It's like, well, look at what the reality is of how people are going to approach this season. You're probably not going to be throwing guys seven or eight innings a lot early on. That's just not going to happen because you're going to have to keep them healthy for the long haul of the season. That is today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, here we go with 
You're killing me, Smalls. So yesterday was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl parade. And because we are in a pandemic and because it's Tampa, we had members of the Bucks having a boat parade yesterday. I'm sure people saw some of the videos coming out of this celebration, but we're going to break down a few here on You're Killing Me Smalls. So the first one that got a lot of run yesterday was Tom Brady, the quarterback, taking the Lombardi Trophy, which is heavy. This is not a light piece of metal here. And tossing it from the boat that he was on onto another boat where the people on the other boat made the catch. Cameron Bray made a great catch. Great catch. Rob Manfred said it wasn't a big deal because it's just a piece of metal. Correct. True. It could have landed in the water and somebody could have gone down and retrieved it out of the water. Correct? What happens if I don't know how deep it was. I don't know how deep it was either. And what happens if it goes in the water? That's very heavy. That's going to sink quickly. Oh, it's to the bottom. There's probably multiple Lombardi trophies, right? I mean, each team, Randy, I guess, would probably know this better than anybody because you are uh, a historian of the NFL. They get one. So they get one. Right. And yeah. you could have, and they just send scuba divers. They would have found it, I would right. assume. But again, uh, Rob Manfred, as he talked about it with the World Series trophy, it's just a piece of metal. Just a piece of metal. Right. Hey, it doesn't mean anything. With one of the Patriots ones, Gronk on opening day took batting practice at Fenway Park. And I think they never got it repaired. I think the Patriots won that he took batting practice with in the football on the Lombardi trophy, still has a massive baseball dent. He was partying hard yesterday. Well, so was Tom. Yeah. Well, so were all of them. Yes, um, as, they, as they should. <laughs> yeah, was, that was pretty cool, though, the boat parade. Yeah. It was fun. And ultimately, they did complete the pass, so they did. Yeah. no harm, no foul. But, yeah, exactly. But isn't that just another log on the fire that is Tom Brady's legacy, that he can throw the Lombardi trophy from boat to boat and nothing bad happens? Impressive. It, that it, he makes the catch. And it, I've watched this video from several angles. He just kind of starts swinging it. There's no communication of, hey, go long. I'm going to throw it. You hear his daughter on his boat no. saying, Dad, no. Right. <laughs> what are you doing? And then the footage from the other boat is, is he going to throw Is he going to throw that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's throwing it. Okay. <laughs> There's a great picture from the boat that catches it in midair. I mean, it's an, like an action photo where yeah. the trophy is midway, you know, over the water and the, you see the guys ready to catch it and everything. I mean, it's like, <laughs> man, if you got that, you could sign eight bajillion of those and make so much money on that one because it's such a unique photo. But you see Brady in, you know, tossing it. You see him in action. Lombardi trophy, midair, guys on the other side ready to catch it. It's an unbelievable photo. So good. You're killing me, Smalls. Well, one of the other videos that got a lot of play yesterday from the Tampa Bay Bucks Super Bowl celebration parade on a boat was Tom Brady exiting the boat. Yeah. <laughs> so Tom uh, seemed to be stumbling a little bit, like maybe he had had a few boat beers, which we all know hit a little different when you're in the sun and you're on a boat. They, <laughs> you don't realize maybe how you feel until you exit the boat, but. In true Tom Brady fashion, even him stumbling drunk off of a boat, he played into his favor. So he quote tweets, and by he, I clearly mean his social media team because he was probably in no shape to be tweeting this. Quote tweets the video of him stumbling off the boat with nothing to see, H-E-R dot dot dot, just a little avocado tequila. (laughs) Now, does he have like a tequila line? Probably. He, sh- he probably should have yeah. avocado tequila coming uh, out. I'm sure he does right. of some sort. So, yeah, it plays right to it. Yeah, but, makes sense. But even when you don't like Tom Brady, he finds a way to humanize himself and for people to like him even more. Because most people have been there. Most people appreciate that he's out on a boat at 43 having a great time with his teammates and drinking a little bit in the sun. 
It was just an A-plus day from Tom Brady. The 618 says Mitchell Trubisky, uh, Trubisky throws it to the wrong boat. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably yeah, true. Yeah, not great. No. I, uh, I, I do think it's pretty cool that uh, this whole situation has allowed him to just become a different person altogether. Could you imagine, like they did the, the duck boats in New England. Could you imagine him being this Brady in no. New England on a duck boat? No. no. I, I think he, he's become way more likable. Big time. I don't know what it is about it, but yeah, he is more likable. He's gone full Florida. Yeah. You know, he's uh, just yeah. kind of doing what he wants and drinking in the sun and letting it happen. Well, he's he, got a handler to help him off the boat. Big time. He, he, he's a way, though, out of the Patriot way, which I think a lot of people scoff at, whether it was deflate gate or what happened with the Rams or all that. You know, it's just the system and all that stuff. No, he's really good. And he did it. And that's what it is. And I think he's likable. He gets a lot of props for, for being very funny on social media, and I mm-hmm. thought this was interesting. Yesterday, as the video of him stumbling off the boat is going viral, Tom Brady tweets a video of a compilation of them winning the Super Bowl. So I think his social media team probably hadn't seen that he was stumbling <laughs> right. off the boat and decides to push out some content from Tom and air quotes. And then you see Gronk, and it's just like, ah, yeah, there's Gronk. There's there's Gronk. Gronk. Yeah, that's yep. it. yeah, okay. I will say, though, I, we've seen Gronk party in a lot of different settings, but he was, if anyone was made to have a Super Bowl parade on a boat, it's Rob Gronkowski. No doubt. I can't believe he didn't fall off the boat. Did you see him standing oh, on yeah. the edge of the boat dancing the entire time? Oh, yeah. It's amazing he was able to stay on. Let's see. Uh, 314, if Randy's not hating on Brady, he certainly must have changed. He That's has true. changed. He has changed. Brady's changed, yeah. No, Randy's okay. changed, too. Oh. Yeah, I'm thinking you more so than Brady. Oh, well, he's not with Belichick anymore. So you're okay. Yeah, I'm fine. You're, you're turning a new. You're turning over a new leaf on this whole situation. Uh, as has been said before, I hate you, but blank blanket, I respect you. Okay, all right, good you enough. St- you still hate him, though. How can you not? I don't hate him anymore. I told you, well, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. He well, beat he beat the L.A. Rams in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady and I are cool. His cheating prompted one of the worst days of my life, so you didn't have to deal with that. You were just a kid. No, I was bummed out, but not as bummed out as you were, Randy. That was like the worst. That was pretty tough. I'm with Randy on that one. That was tough. Was that the toughest loss you've ever experienced as a fan? It's not even close. Wow. Worse really? than Denkinger. No, Denkinger was worse. Yeah. Really? For me, that was worse because at least, and, and I didn't know it at the time, at least the Cardinals had game seven coming up. And they had a chance for the Rams. It was over. It was over. The season was over. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Dinkinger was worse for me. It was bad. Those are both pretty brutal. They were terrible. Those are both pretty brutal. I did, wait, you guys are bringing me down. Sorry. You know what, Dan? I have something in the, in yeah, the, the bring hopper me up here. for you. Let's I'm going to bring you up. You're killing me, Smalls. So one of the quarterbacks that Tom Brady did beat on his way to winning the Super Bowl was Aaron Rodgers, who had an MVP season, and it was official. We haven't really talked about this, but he was named the NFL MVP over the weekend. And I want to hear from him during his speech. He thanked all the people important to him along the way this season that helped him get to this point. Thank you so much. It's an honor to win this award for the third time. 2020 was definitely a crazy year. Uh, filled with lots of change, growth, uh, some amazing, memorable moments. 180 straight days of having my nose hair scraped, uh, playing for you know very little fans or no stands the entire season. I got engaged, and I played some of the best football in my career. So I'd like to thank first and foremost my teammates, 
for their support, their inspiration, uh, protection, the incredible play on the field, uh, the coaching staff um, for their efforts to make this thing fun every single week, uh, the energy and positivity, and the daily presentations really kept us going. Off the field, I got a great, uh, great group of people that support me. So I'd like to thank my team off the field, Ryan, Tommy, Lennon, Rebecca, Adam, Oliver and Emil, Debbie, Jody Foster, Chas, Ed B, The Dungeon, Papa, Andy and Sue, Dr. E, The Pygmalion Crew, Dave and Todd, Torpedo, Joey, AJ, Pat, and all the boys there, my fiance. Mm. Uh, they only gave me a minute to do this, so I just need to wrap this up real quick. There's so many more people that I'm thankful for, but just encourage people to read books, to meditate, speak things to life, manifest the desires of your heart, question everything, and spread love and positivity. So, Wait, what? Wow. So read books, yes. Shout out to books everywhere. But I Meditate. Know, meditate. Speak things into the universe, positivity. But. Spread love. But I know, Dan, when you're listening to Aaron oh. Rodgers give that speech that there's one word that pops out at you, and that's fiance. Fiance. I mean, when I heard that, uh, absolutely adorable. <laughs> Just adorable. When I hear that, I mean, if that doesn't warm your heart near Valentine's Day, nothing will. Now, I feel for Danica Patrick, obviously. Yes, because... That's not the fiancé. No, no. He's got a new squeeze, right? <laughs> it does Olivia, have... Bu- Olivia Munn? No, not Olivia no, Munn. That's, that's way back. Yeah, come on, Randy. That's old news. That's come on, old dog. News. He is with Shailene Woodley, who is a famous uh-huh. actress from Hollywood, Big Little Lies, if you've seen it on HBO, great series, even mm-hmm. better book, but she was in that. And this is a new relationship, as Dan mentioned, off the heels of the Danica Patrick breakup, Aaron Rodgers, who's usually pretty methodical and takes his time in these relationships, especially high-profile ones, said, I'm leading with love. They're engaged. This, I love, this I happened like very this fast. It did. But here's the cool thing about it is if indeed this wedding is consummated and they get married, he'll have a family member that he talks to. Randy. Are you saying he doesn't talk to his teammates? His, a family member that he's related to. Oh, that's right. He does have issues with that. I don't know if that I'd go down that road. I just think it's adorable to hear <laughs> that this happened as quickly as it has. Because the Danica Patrick and the Olivia Munn one, those were long relationships. This one is a quick one. And when you know love, Randy, you know it. You know it. Oh, and, and, and you just go. It. And you go. He mentioned his team. He does really cool things in Green Bay. Like, he'll have a ticket scavenger hunt on social media. And he'll leave a pair of tickets, like, at a restaurant bar. And he'll, have, he'll give clues throughout the course of a day. And Packers fans have the opportunity to go out and get more clues and try to find the the tickets and he does that on a pretty regular basis mm-hmm. that's cool. fun that's yeah. fun i just i know when i see dan on social media that he's very locked in to the celebrity engagement news and the celebrity relationship news so e-news I, people dan, yep. dan is Page al- six. always on top of it with that yeah. so i figured i might scoop dan here with the engagement but he clearly knew prior. no i was all over that one and uh, that really caught my attention on saturday night when i saw that because it wasn't so much that he got the mvp but the news that broke when he just slipped in my fiance and people were like, wow. So casual. Yeah. Wait, hold on here. Yeah. And it just grabbed a lot of headlines, Randy. As much as I was tied in and, and diving into film about the left tackle situation for the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, not the Royals, <laughs> but the Chiefs, mm-hmm. this really did grab my attention. Well, and I think it forces people like us who really care about things like this to dive into more research mm-hmm. and do even more film work. And that's why I was disappointed in you not knowing that it wasn't a 
It wasn't Mun and it wasn't Danica. I was joking, Dan. No, you weren't. You no, you were too far back behind the times. Shailene Woodley is one of my all-time favorites. No kidding. I didn't know oh, yeah. that. Is that right? This was Olivia Munn. So I like just, Olivia Munn. You just appreciate the entire roster? Yeah. I do. Oh, the roster, huh? Well, wow. Well, what, got... the history? I mean, I, I think that's, that's more appropriate. That, yeah. I was offended. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was offended. <laughs> I've never been offended. <laughs> I've never seen you offended ever. No. Never. No. You just get through it and you go, okay. And you just move on. Adorable. Just absolutely adorable. Adorbs. That's Thanks, what I like Michelle. to say. Adorbs. Adorbs. Beautiful thing. It is my favorite thing, though, when I see a headline. Because you can see when people reply. And it'll say, Chloe Kardashian and Tristan Thompson in love in Boston. Try it for baby number two. And then all of a sudden, Danny Mac responds, adorable. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me laugh out loud every time. I think if, you know, Vin Scully, when he was in the middle of his career, <laughs> the Dodgers was probably doing that, too, if there oh, was yeah. Twitter. Especially in L.A.? Absolutely. He was definitely keeping up on that scene. Yep. Dan just supports love. That's all. I, that's all I'm trying to do. It's I'm trying to be love. supportive, Randy. Can't you understand if that? If you haven't heard, Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton have <laughs> hitched for the fifth time. Uh, yeah. And adorable. Well, <laughs> it's adorable. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Michelle. You got it. Coming up, we're going to get ready for the Danny Mac Show with BK. That's next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. The Dan, Danny Mac show. Does anybody ever call you Dan McLaughlin anymore or is it just Danny Mac? Everybody's Danny Mac usually. Yeah. yeah. Dan, Danny Mac show coming up with. But I go BK. by Dan, but everybody calls yeah. me Danny Mac. Yeah, yeah, it's all it works. It's great. So call me whatever you want. I don't care. I'll call you Dan McLaughlin now and then. Well, you call me whatever you want. I would not call you anything negative. It's a hundred percent positive. You call mind, me even anything you, aren't you want. On Team Randy, you're on Team Brett. I want Brett to make you mad. I love seeing you get mad. I think it's hilarious. You because <laughs> you get you have a competitive spirit and you lost in the fight today. So I kind of enjoyed it. People don't realize that about Randy. He's so happy. He's oh, yeah. so friendly. He's so energized all the time. He's very competitive. Very and there can, competitive. There can be an angry streak in there if he loses. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put up that, uh, and I took that personally, meme. You should. <laughs> you, you should. Superimpose your face on Michael Jordan's body with the iPad. You were, you were pretty upset. Oh, uh, bitter. I'm, it, well, when you went, after, you went after a listener and said, well, did you have all multiple choice? Well, well, I guess it's not a fair fight. I mean, a, it's a listener that supports you. Yeah, he does listen all the time, and he's listened. And I appreciate Brett. Good so guy. Team Brett. I was just wondering <laughs> if, what was it that he said on the He said uh, that you met your match. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank it, you, Michelle. That was that, exactly what he said. And that's true, Randy. Right? He beat you. Is, so. is that a match, though, when we aren't playing by the same rules? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it is. You do this for a living. Brett is doing what he does for a living. He, he doesn't have time to be studying all these notes and news. He needs to, to develop that time, then. There's not enough time in the day. There's so much something. out there. Yeah, That's, and did you not hear him shout out the, his girlfriend that he loves? That was strong. At, yeah. at on end? Valentine's week, what a great move. But Absolutely strong adorable. Strong move by him, but he's got, he's got time that he needs to be spending with her, Randy, not yeah. studying the stats to keep up with you. Dan, are you much of a, uh, a cook? Do you cook much at home? Uh, they, say, they say my family says I'm terrible. Okay. So, no, I'm not really allowed. Okay. Even, like, if you have really good instructions... I mean, to the point that they even question if I do a barbecue, a hot dog. Okay. Because wow. you and I yeah. are both 
huge devotees of our friends at Schnucks. Absolutely. And the people at Schnucks and De Pair have this amazing thing for Valentine's Day. And all you need to do is go to schnucks.com, check out their their cooking school tab. And for Valentine's Day, you can get like two fillets that you prepare yourself. But then you've got a couple of small, tiny bottles of Prosecco. You've got a bottle of wine. You've got asparagus, which is absolutely delicious. Uh, You've got an unbelievable dessert. You've got chocolate-covered strawberries. And you can get it all online and pick it up at the Depair Schnooks either for Saturday or Sunday. And I was just wondering because... Once you can do the asparagus in the microwave and the two fillets, which I did on the grill last night, no problem at all. Yeah. And it's delicious, and it's a great idea on their part. I think it's awesome. It's just I – there is – like assembly required with this. Yes, there is. Yeah, Yeah. and that's where I could run into some problems, but I'm going to give it a shot. It's it's from the heart, Randy. It really, is, ultimately, really, it's from the heart. Yeah, you're it's welcome. It's minimal assembly, though, because it comes all prepackaged. Correct. And all you it's really great. have to do the meat is the only challenging yeah. option there. Yeah. It's a smart idea. It is, uh, and you can get a romance I've, package that includes flowers. Yeah. Ooh. So when I say assembly required, very minimal. Maybe it's operator error is yeah. what I should say, and I'm the operator, so it's not done very well. I wonder if you can get reservations right now at. A restaurant. Restaurants are up to 50% capacity throughout the area. I wonder if you can get reservations at a restaurant for Saturday night or Sunday night this week. Usually they're pretty hard to get. Give me, I don't know if we want to name a restaurant, but I can try. Are you looking? Yeah, I was going to look. Okay, let me think of, okay. I'm trying to think of somewhere where I can do it online. All right, let me look. Okay. What are you doing for? uh, Don't have any plans yet. No. Might do the same thing that I did last night. Uh, I know you're a romantic Oh, yeah. So there will be flowers involved and chocolate-covered strawberries I figured a a Valentine's Day at your household, as much as a romantic as you are, might be like going back and popping popcorn and having Joan sit on the sofa and you guys rewatch the 2011 World Series. That very well could happen. (laughs) Yeah. Because you tug at the heart of your loved ones. Yeah. And that's how you do things. And I've got You're romantic. entire series on DVD at home. I know you do. So, yeah, I could absolutely. That could be something that we do. Yeah. And popcorn is a popular item in our house. No doubt. By the way, one other play that <laughs> yes. is, is fun. Rather than a dozen flowers, a, a dozen heart-shaped balloons can never go wrong with that either. I, I have a question for Michelle. Okay. If If you were to get flowers, Emily, same thing, you're married, and... Said flowers came from a gas station. Does that count? Yeah, it's a thought that counts. Okay. Even though it's a last-minute thought? It's a last-minute thought. (laughs) I would just be sure to remove the sticker that lets you know that they're from the gas station. Okay. Emily? I don't know. Um... How about gas station champagne? That's a no from me, dog. But you know what I will say about the flowers? If they're gas station flowers, make sure you write a really, really nice handwritten note. Yeah. And you say, I was taking so much care with this note to express my love yeah, for you. Don't write the note on the receipt. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. I had to stop by the gas station. By the way, first restaurant I looked up, completely booked. Okay. It's going to be tough, Friday, I bet. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. It's snowing outside right now. Just looked so. at that. That's always going to put you in that... Loving mood. Yeah. Dan, mm-hmm. we, we learned on the show yesterday that Randy goes all out for Valentine's yeah. Day because it's a special day for him. It is. Well, you're romantic at heart. Well, that, and as I said yesterday on Ask Uncle Randy, the only two days that guys can really count on are your birthday and Valentine's <laughs> Day. Count on. Yeah. Okay, Enos you- Harris is coming up on the program <laughs> 
next hour. He'll be on at 10.30 to break down some Major League Baseball pitching and, and some and numbers. somebody said Christmas, and one guy texted and said, I've been married 25 years. Christmas, no chance. <laughs> um, I agree with him, yes. He seems to be right on the McLaughlin plan. Yeah, I may know this guy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, no kidding. So that's what kind of uh, material we're getting for Ask Uncle Randy these days. I love Uncle Randy. I, he needs to come out more often. <laughs> I want to party with Uncle Randy. Uh, yeah, I think Uncle Randy would party with Gronk. Oh, man. Uncle, Uncle Randy and Gronk would get along great. Yeah. I, do, I, I think it's all that, about having fun. Yeah. Good, clean yeah. fun. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Most of the time. Yep. I agree. We will be listening in the 10 o'clock hour. Eno Saras from The Athletic. Yeah. He's coming up. Uh, BK will be in here, and I'm sure we'll talk uh, more about uh, a lot of baseball coming right. up for the next hour. Emily Butcher, thank you. Great job as always. Thank you. Our producer engineer, Michelle, thank you. It was fun. See you guys tomorrow. And Danny will be back with us tomorrow from yes, 7 sir. to 10 and then 7 to 11 with the, the Danny Mac show as well. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, being a part of the show till tomorrow morning at 7. When I bring in Hardy's Biscuits and I'm, they go to heat up St. Louis, get them tomorrow morning. Awesome. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast powered by I Promise. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.